I don't know if you've been paying attention over the last year that I've been here. You always see that I carry up uh, paper with me. Uh, sometimes I refer to it, sometimes I don't. Uh, what it is, it's a, basically a duplicate of my sermon, which is on my iPad, just in case my, my iPad doesn't work for some reason. So that just goes to tell you that I'm old school enough that I still don't trust technology, but that's, that's the way it goes. Um, uh, my name is Pastor Brad Bergfalk, and I used to be your uh, interim lead pastor. That's the way it goes. And uh, I don't know if you noticed that as well, but during the course of my time here, I have routinely introduced myself that way. You might think that I'm, I'm becoming old and repetitive in my old age, and I'm reminding you of something that you already know, but, uh, exa but exactly what I'm doing is reminding you of something that I need to remember, that I am your interim pastor. If, uh, if I start to get emotional at this point, it's a, it is a bad, bad sign. So I'm, I'm going I'm to blow through this. Um, I want to preach this morning from one of my favorite scriptures. Oh, wait, before I do that, I, 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 some of you have come up to me and you've said, hey, um, thanks for being here. We're glad you're here. I got a phone call this week from somebody named Leo. I don't know if you all know Leo to Spain. He, he left me a nice message on the phone. Is he here? Oh, he is? I got your message, Leo. Thank you. The mo my favorite part was before you hung up, you said, hey, Brad, I love your hair. So <laughs> thank you. God bless you, Leo. God bless you. Um, I, I also have heard some of you say, Brad, you know, we've enjoyed having you here, but uh, we've never met your wife. And so today, I want to just ask my wife to stand. She's here, Roxy. And I, so she's not a figment of... Uh, yeah, she's not a figment of my imagination. She actually does exist. And, and you know, when I got here a, a little over a year ago, you all knew that she was back in Connecticut. And our intention was, if we had to, I was going to fly back and forth for a, a number of weeks uh, while she was caring for one of her patients who was in the last stages of her life. And as it turned out, uh, her, her, uh, her client died and Roxy got in our car, threw some things in the, in the back. And this was back when we didn't really know whether they were going to shut down the highway system or what was going on. You remember that? And she just drove out here. So she's actually been here with me for most of the time. And so it's, it's been great uh, to have her here. So anyway, okay. Um, the scripture I want for us to think about today is my favorite passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 33. Matthew 6, 25 through 33, if you have a Bible at home, you're welcome to turn to it, digital device, phone, iPad, memory, maybe some of you memorized this scripture, it's a very well-known scripture, um, here, here we go. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They're, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
if that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or, or what shall we wear? For the, for the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, and each day has enough trouble of its own. So here we are. This is my final uh, sermon to you today. And uh, even as I, I, I say that, it feels a little like it was only yesterday that we were being introduced to one another. I was commenting to Jackie earlier this morning that I pretty much sat in the same place the entire year. And the first Sunday that I got here, the sanctuary was uh, pretty full. This is pre-COVID at the time. So there was probably four or 500 of you here wanting to see who the new Yahoo was that was coming in to be your interim pastor, and I sat up here on, on a chair, and, and I don't even know if you remember, but Pastor Nate interviewed me, and uh, that doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And so here we are, I want to share with you this familiar passage of scripture from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which I think sums up what I want you to hear from me today as I'm about to um, take my leave. Jesus, as you are well aware, preached and he taught about a lot of things during his public ministry. He covered lots of territory, and his Sermon on the Mount probably is one of his most well-known sermons, or at least um, the compilation, perhaps, of a, of a number of sermons, depending on how it all came together. But um, in this particular sermon, I think the reason for this being so well-known and so popular is because the Sermon on the Mount, in some ways, encapsulates the, the, the character of the spiritual life. So Christians throughout time have been able to read the Sermon on the Mount, and they go, wow, I, I, I only wish I could aspire to that. Or maybe if we were a little step closer, we could say, well, I aspire to that, but I really don't measure up. I think the Sermon on the Mount presents us with this picture of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple who's committed them lives, their lives to something bigger than themselves. That's what this sermon pro provides for us. In this sermon, Jesus is trying to say something about the nature of God's kingdom in no uncertain terms. It's, it's clear. We can't sidestep it. We can't, we can't, we can't put a, a caveat in this sermon so that we could drive a truck through it like we tend to do, right? So following Jesus' model, I want to encourage you today by reflecting on the nature of spiritual life from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, from just this passage. The, the Sermon on the Mount is much larger than this passage. But before I do that, I want to make a note of, of the fact that that my sermon today is entitled, A Final Word. And if the uh, projection system was functioning today, you would see a, 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 a microphone and the, and the phrase, A Final Word. That, that's what you would see. And this, this final word that I want to give you, of course, will be my final word to you because next week I will not be standing here um, in front of you prepared to preach another sermon. 
Uh, and there, there, so there's a literal uh, finality to what I'm going to say to you today. Uh, and then there's another aspect to finality that I don't want you to miss. And I, and I believe that there are rare times in our lives when God gives us clarity and vision to see, see what God is doing up close and personal. We see that in each other's lives. And I think one of the reasons that I love doing what I do as an interim pastor, even though it, it's not always fun uh, in a lot of ways, but I'm not going to get into that, but I, I get to see up close and personal uh, what God is doing in this church and in your lives. And even though we have been in this period of time of isolation and pandemic and, and social unrest and all this other stuff, I have had a front row seat of, of what this church is made of. I have, I've had the privilege of, of seeing the variety of ways of how God is, is healing. Notice I didn't say healed because I think there's, all, there's always healing that needs to take place. But is healing a bruised and broken congregation and is restoring our sense of vision and mission for ministry in the future. Illustrated by the fact that yesterday we gave away tons of things, clothes, furniture, and other items to one of our mission partners down in KCK. Mission Aliante, way to go. So, so in that spirit, I offer to you a final word of encouragement, a final word of inspiration, maybe, perhaps even a final word of challenge. Yeah, I know, I, I, can't, I can't help myself when it comes to that, because that's what the Bible does sometimes. So here's the, here's the first word of encouragement that I want to offer to you today, and that is this, don't worry about your life. Don't worry. Don't worry. No, really, don't, don't worry about your life. Jesus says this to his disciples straight up. And so I want to remind you, when life seems difficult, when your life seems overly complicated, when the train seems to be coming off the tracks and it's no fault of your own, I want to repeat to you what Jesus said to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't worry. When the markets don't do as well as you expect. When your kids don't live up to your expectations. When you have an unexpected bill for your car that you weren't prepared for. When the place that you want to go on vacation is still under lockdown. Don't worry. Don't worry. Jesus says, don't worry about what you will eat. Don't worry about what you will wear. Which, in effect, is simply saying, don't worry about anything. Now, do you remember a few years ago? Maybe this is dating me. It probably is. Most of the things that I come up with now are from so far long ago. But do you remember when there was that, that song on the radio? Oh, that, that, that dates me right there, on the radio. What? Um, do you remember that song that was, was out that, that went, don't, the title of it, I think, was Don't Worry, Be Happy? They had kind of this, this calypso kind of feel, and if I was feeling a little bit more spunky, I might try to sing it for you, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I don't think that the musician who, is, who, who, who sang that song, who wrote the, the, the lyrics to that song, was trying to make a profound theological point from the Sermon on the Mount. I don't think that was his intent. I could be wrong. Yet, this catchy tune 
was driving home the same point that Jesus is trying to to, uh, impress upon us today. Don't worry. Worry can be debilitating. Worry is what we often do when we're fearful about our circumstances. Worry is what we do when we're not sure of the outcome. Worry is what we do when we lack control. Worry, as they say, is the first stop on the road to despair. And maybe some of us have, have, have been walking down that road over the last year or so for a variety of good reasons. And, and Jesus illustrates the, the value of worry by pointing out that even creation itself seems to get along just fine without worrying about much. So why should we? He points to the birds in the air and the flowers of the field and he asks his disciples to consider what their life looks like without worry. It's beautiful. And I I think the implication is, uh, I'm pretty sure the implication in this text, the reason why Jesus points these things out, is to say, if they can do it, why can't you? Perhaps some of you are thinking right now, you know, that's easy for Jesus to say, but he doesn't have to carry the burdens that I am presently carrying. Right? I mean, that's, that's probably true. Jesus didn't have to worry about a mortgage or a car payment or whether his retirement portfolio was going to provide him with enough income to live comfortably in his retirement. You know, those are things that we worry about, right? But I suspect that Jesus faced the same kinds of temptation to worry about stuff unnecessarily as we do. He was human, after all. Yet, he states unequivocally that the first characteristic of a spiritual life in this sermon is what? Don't worry. And I think the reason why we shouldn't worry is is pretty straightforward. Jesus asked, can any of you add a single hour to your life by worrying? And the answer is, of course, no, we can't. So my first word of encouragement to you today is, what? Don't worry. Don't worry. Instead of worrying about stuff, Jesus encourages us to keep the main thing the main thing. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before. Maybe Mark Severson used that somewhere along the way. I'm not sure. Well, he doesn't exactly put it that way, Jesus, but he says, instead of worrying all the time about things that you have no control over, seek God's kingdom instead. He, he says it like this, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's in King James. That's how I memorized it, so that's the way I've written it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. In other words, keep the main thing the main thing. You know, during this past year, we've had plenty of opportunities uh, to allow less important issues to loom large and even cloud our vision for what God is doing around here, right? We have. And thankfully, with a little prodding and a little patience, we've done our best to keep the main thing the main thing. Way to go, church. And when we've been tempted to elevate any number of issues to levels of importance that they don't deserve, We continue to be a congregation who attempted to live and to love and to learn what it means to follow Jesus through COVID. Racial unrest, political polarization, and economic uncertainty. We've had it all. We sought to find ways to connect with each other. Believe me, we've tried. Maybe not 
as, as well as we could have, but we've tried. It's, I can't think of a week in a staff meeting that, that, that the staff and I have not discussed this question. How can we, how can we connect more in this time? And we've tried to do it through Bible studies and book groups and, and Zoom meetings. And we've encouraged generosity and gracious conversations. We've found ways to live under the uncomfortable mandates of isolation and social distancing. And we did it that way because we were intent on keeping the main thing the main thing. Someone has said, seeking, seeking first God's kingdom is easy until you have to put it into practice. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's right. Yet that's what Jesus desires for us. He desires for us to be practicing disciples who do exactly that. Seek God's kingdom first. Seeking God's kingdom means, means that all of the other things that occupy that first spot in our lives are now in second spot. That's what it means. To be kingdom-minded like this will always, always cause a little bit of discomfort. Uh, believe me, I, I, live the, I live just as you do. I, I face the same realities that you do. It always causes a little discomfort. It can be a little uncomfortable when we have to measure our discipleship practices through the lens of God's kingdom. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like an athlete preparing for the Olympics. You know, they eat, they sleep. And they live their, their lives around their athletic pursuits, whatever that, whatever that is. They give up opportunities. They give up meaningful relationships. They give up aspirations for a normal life. For what? In order to excel at their particular sport at the highest level. In the same way, when God's people, when we seek First, God's kingdom. Our priorities begin to, to get rearranged. When God's people seek first God's kingdom, our aspirations begin to change. Our dreams become larger. Because we want to be able to see what God is doing in the world. Now, many of you have commented to uh, Roxy and me how, how hard it must be for us to come into a congregation like Hillcrest, in the midst of a storm, sort of hit the ground running, and, and then get to know the neighborhood, love people to the best of our ability, all knowing that the day will come when we will be packing up the car and driving out of town. And yes, I, I, I don't want to misstate uh, how difficult that is at times, but we do this because Roxy and I are in agreement about this one thing. We desire that our lives seek God's kingdom first. And if that requires us to move every couple of years, that's a small price. That's a small price. Now, thankfully, God doesn't ask all of us to move every couple years. <laughs> but don't be lulled into thinking that you're off the hook. 
God does, all, does ask all of us to reprioritize our lives in such a way that God's kingdom is first and our aspirations in life are second, whatever those are. It may not be moving every couple of years. It might be something else. Maybe, maybe you're writing big checks every few months because that's the way God's blessed you and that's the way God is calling you to, to, to live into seeking God's kingdom. So my second word of advice for you is keep the main thing the main thing. In other words, seek God's kingdom no matter what the cost. And if you, don't, if you do, don't be surprised if you find joy and meaning that accompanies the pursuit of God and God's kingdom. It always does. It always does. And then uh, this leads me to my final word of encouragement to you today. Jesus says that when we seek God's kingdom above all other things, the very things that we desire food and drink and clothes and comfort will be ours as well. Jesus says that when we seek God's kingdom, this other stuff is no longer an issue. Now, now don't misunderstand me here. This is, this is not some sort of quid pro quo where if we seek God's kingdom first, then God turns around and, and blesses us with, you know, shovelfuls of blessing. That, that's not how this works. It's more profound than that. What Jesus is saying is where we focus our vision ultimately matters. If we focus on all things that, don't, that we don't have to, then all of the opportunities that God wants to provide for us, we might miss. That, that's how I think we need to read this. But when we set our gaze upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, then and only then, are we able to enjoy all that God provides for us? It's almost as if we miss the best that life has to offer when we focus on the distractions. Think about that for a minute. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, when we seek to listen and to love and to learn together what it means to follow Jesus in the midst of a global pandemic, social unrest, political turmoil, that's when we will begin to understand that the life that we've always wanted to live has been available to us the entire time. We were just looking in the wrong places. Friends, it isn't always easy for Roxy and me to, to move from one place to another, to make new friends as we have here, to learn new routines like making sure your sermon is ad additionally short on the Sundays when the Chiefs play early in the afternoon. cheer for new sports teams, and love all of the beauty that the Midwest has to offer. And I'm not kidding about that, by the way. I know that you Midwesterners kind of go, oh, gee, you know, you're going to Colorado, Brad? You, how lucky you are to have the beautiful mountains to look at. Do not sell short the beauty of the Flint Hills, of, of uh, an expansive sky, you don't see that kind of stuff everywhere. So um, there's beauty here just like every place else. 
God has uh, given us great joy to learn to follow Jesus with you here at 87th and Knoll. I didn't even know where that was on a map a year and a half ago. It's been a joy to sit on the back porch of the Birch House for part of the time that we've been here. I don't know if you all knew, we've actually moved four times uh, since we came here. And we started at the Birch House, we went someplace else, we moved into an apartment in Old Overland Park, and then we came back to the Birch House here towards the end. And it's been a joy for, for me to sit on the Birch House and pray for this congregation to find your footing. to work alongside a dedicated staff who love Jesus and love this church and, and I meant the way I said that they love Jesus first but they love this church a lot it's been a joy almost every week with rare exceptions hearing the way something that I said encouraged you or challenged you or sometimes made you mad and most of all it's a joy to know that, that we're not alone in our pursuit of the gospel we're going to head out on a couple weeks on the route. I don't know. What, 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 Wichita. We're going through Wichita. Is that Route 35? Okay, Route 35. And we're going to have friends. We're going to have companions on the way here in Overland Park, Prairie Village, Kansas. Doesn't get any better than that. So, God bless you. as you welcome your next pastor. God bless you as you find your stride. Being the church that God is calling you to be. I'm an ugly crier. God bless you as you seek to move towards deeper levels of faithfulness and discipleship and mission and ministry. Because that's what it means to seek God's kingdom first. God bless you.